Today we are joining Biolabs. Would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Elman, co-founder and the CEO of the Biolabs. So I and my partner we found this company from 2017. We have this idea to build something, but not only for blockchain. We are trying to figure out the possibility future of IoT. But turns out we figure out the blockchain might be the solution for IoT protocol. So that's why we started the Biolabs to chase the trend and catch the opportunity and make it happen by our hands. So that's our origin. Interesting. Can you tell us a little bit of what you were doing before you founded Biolabs? The story maybe starts from nineties. So when I was a college student in South Taiwan, in Tainan, Tainan City, an ancient capital of Taiwan, I became the first generation of internet users. My nickname, Elman, is actually from that. So I built a top ten social media. At that time, we don't call it social media. It's very ancient system called the Bulletin Board Systems. So I built a top ten social media at that time in Taiwan. I also became so-called a growth hacker at that time. Although I devote myself during the internet booming, I did not really get any benefit from that, and I just saw that happen. So when I graduated from school, I went to traditional industry because people said Taiwan is a hardware island. So I joined the hardware industry. But I'm lucky because I'm not joined some kind of consumer electronics industry. Where I joined the we call the vertical industry. Now we call the industrial PC or the embedded computing in that industry for almost fifteen years, and the last job I got is working for my seniors startup. We build the solution for the high-speed railway control radio, and the market is was in the United States. So it's very interesting. I I from the software side to the internet side and the hardware planning product manager. Radio control, and then now back to the internet and blockchain. So for me, we are not really like I said.、Uh, we are not really try to build blockchain startup like others. We are not because of Bitcoin. We have more than twenty years devoted into the IoT industry. We try to see what IoT is next in the future because we solve the problem. And the blockchain might be the solution for the IoT. So that's actually what I was and what I am to build this company. All about my past. <laughs> that makes sense.、Uh, you mentioned that Biolabs focuses on on industry and cities. What do you currently see as the challenges in industrial and urban IoT space? Okay, maybe let's talk about IoT first. People always include the、uh, the chairman of SoftBank. Always say in the 2025 there will be maybe 50 billion devices connected to the internet. Okay, you can try to imagine that the current internet we are using was invented for 30 years. No smart guy can really invent technology without any evolve for 30 years. But current internet actually ninety percent similar, just like thirty years ago. So definitely they will have a problem. You can see the current net already very crowded. People say you can have a five G to solve that, but five G just like a super highway. Okay, you create a super highway, but your ETC 
still have a 10 gate a time. So that means you can still have a 10 car plus the ETC still. So that's called a protocol. So we maybe build a super highway, but we did not really fix the problem of the protocol. So blockchain seems to be a solution. So that's where we, we found there. So back to the urban city. Urban city will fall, fall with all the different IoT there. So if you cannot really have the right infrastructure, then problem everywhere. We don't, we don't, we don't need to imagine it has a brighter future because never works. You will only see every day just traffic jam of the internet and uh, DDoS everywhere because 50 billion device try to hook up and try to talk to each other. Then they will generate a self DDoS. <laughs> so there will be a huge disaster. It's a very fundamental problem, but we might not be the one really look into the problem. So we also see several of the standability, also include my partners, like we cooperate with several blockchain foundations from Europe. We all see the problem and we try to fix that. And the urban city, this is an infrastructure problem. How come you build a 5G? So that means every your home will just direct connect to the super highway. But are your home, your door, is def uh, def default open or not? So it's very, very strange. People are talking about 5G. Then they just say, oh, you can exchange your data everywhere. But that means, so yeah, it turns out your, your door is always open for everyone. You don't need to lock, knock, knock. Mm -hmm. So we need a methodology. We need a rule. We need a real protocol. Try to do the knock, knock. And you can try to exchange your data because the problem is also about privacy. So if we are talking about 5G, if we are talking about the future, we need to rethink about everything privacy by design. So that's why we are talking about smart city, but we are not only called a smart city, we were called it's a human-centric smart city. It, it seems like what you're saying is that the fundamental problem of the modern internet is trust and the way your data is secured now we are far beyond the wild, wild west years of blockchain when it was just cryptocurrency. You are leading the new generation of blockchain-centric services. Do you think blockchain is the answer to the, the internet insecurity problem? I would say it's a very tricky question. In my mind, I would say blockchain is a possible approach. But maybe the final answer will not be blockchain. Because blockchain, if I, I need to kind of uh, normal people a word to understand blockchain, I would say blockchain and the crypto just make you back to the ancient people. When you try to buy something, it's very simple. We, we get money from your pocket, only to your pocket without anyone in the middle. So that's we call the peer-to-peer. -peer. And actually, this is the original meaning of a transaction, no middleman. But currently, a transaction, oh gosh, lots of the middlemen. <laughs> like in Taiwan, if you want to pay in digitally, you will see, maybe you choose Line Pay, you choose Apple Pay, you choose any pay, there will at least two middlemen there, <laughs> at least. But why blockchain? In the digitally, just like physically, you get the money from your pocket to the service provider. Only us, only two stakeholders. That's blockchain. So for me, it's very exciting because this is the first technology really back to the ancient style, human action, human behavior. 
So reduce the middleman become the most of the benefit I learned from the blockchain. So the same, the internet. If the internet want to either to IoT or to vehicle, want to exchange the data, the first, why your car can really talk to the other car? Do you really allow your vehicle talk to the other vehicle? Or do you allow your vehicle default can talk to the vendors? It's very strange. <laughs> so we need to make some rule. So we need a regulation. We need a totally brand new game rule to define all the behavior. And the blockchain seems to be a solution to define all that. And if you want to get some data from me, people all know the data is just like oil. Okay, but you own oil is not is you you cannot really get a value because only the oil company get the oil that can make it become a value. So, but still, the original in, ingredient. So, how about they really need to do some exchange with you to get your uh, ingredient to make the oil make the valuable oil. So that also the blockchain meaning. So that's what I see if we need to build a brighter future and the human-centric economics and the privacy by design. Blockchain really a, a solution for that. And it's a possible approach and a reasonable approach for now. But I was not, because I'm a technology enthusiast, so I would say it's possible, but it might not be the final answer. Yeah, the question is, will it be the final answer, right? Because from a certain perspective, blockchain still functions as a middleman, right? Yep. It's an encrypted, very safe, and uh, you know, outside of a human interaction middleman. But nonetheless, it still creates the trust that secures our, our communication together. The, the big question that a lot of people have been asking is, will blockchain ever become the global middleman? Will it ever have the infrastructure to secure every transaction and every piece of information flowing? Or will you still need banks? Will you still need municipal services? Will you still need your local uh, realtor to put a stamp on your contract? My personal idea is try to learn from the history. So let's look back to the history. So we already have maybe more than 2000 uh, uh, history in the world. If we consider the uh, Chinese, we always say uh, we have a 5,000 year uh, history there. But this history, you can see, right now the democracy, government, already there for maybe around a thousand years. So people right now, we believe in the democracy, uh, although still have some problem like this election. <laughs> so, but we still have a strong confidence in that. And uh, we also have a confidence in the central bank ruled by the government. That's how the world right now. I will not say blockchain will replace that because it definitely will not. In history, you will never see economics can higher than government in the history. Never happen. But that is not mean, it's not really means it's not possible. But government also learns. Government also evolves. So you can see, if we're talking about the Bitcoin might be the future. And uh, maybe Ethereum will be the mainstream. But you can still see the government evolve. So they are rolling out the CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency. They try to make the current system better, but not really disrupt the government. But it's good. Because when I always uh, read the history, uh, disruption in the history just like this, 
But if we really increase the resolution of the history, it's actually is not a disruption, it's an evol evolution. So government also evolve. So I believe in my mind, I will say, we will find a balance between the uh, blockchain and also the cryptocurrency. That definitely will happen. But I only know, I have a clear answer in my mind is, I don't believe there will be a government really use current crypto as their fiat. They will not. What are your thoughts on the, the current CBDC rollout in China that started with the summer? China always is the most innovator in the world, <laughs> no matter you like or not. So I would say, oh, it's too good. You can really see how it's going if China rolling out the ultimate answer there. You can see the problem. You can see the challenge. You can learn from them. So it's good to the world. Do you think a CBDC will ever replace physical currency? Not exactly. It will evolve because we ever uh, get involved with some government's CBDC. I learned from their perspective. You can never treat different digital currency as a high priority. You need to treat every currency, no matter from paper, from coin. You need to treat every coin is fail. Every currency is fail. So that means the digitalization will be a tough challenge for every government, every country. But you already see the ultimate answer, ultimate scenario in China. So you can imagine how we can really achieve that place, but in a democracy way. <laughs> I hope you're right. I hope there will be more democratic governments that are testing out the function of CBDC. In the, actually, if you see the, the North Europe, they have a several countries like Sweden already have a very high penetration rate. The people always use credit card. So that means there will be a very good start because people don't really use legacy. The next will definitely fade out. It's nature. That's why I always say I'm not really a China lover. But I just learned from China, say, they use their way to rolling out the ultimate idea. Yeah. But you will see every question, every challenge, every problem from there. So it is good for the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah. CBDC is in some way the ultimate fuck you to blockchain cryptocurrency because they're taking the general premise of having a digital asset. And they're putting it under the aegis of a centralized. Body. I would not say centralized or decentralized is really so important because I always tell my friends, okay, when I make money, I love decentralized. When I lost my money, I love centralized. <laughs> People don't really have a consistent value. So, how can you really say decentralized is maybe the best? Yeah. So, the, the same question may be back to you. If you make money, you definitely will like decentralized. Like recent days, we can see the Bitcoin is raised up a lot of value. But if you really lose your private key, you will definitely talk to the government. Hey, you need to take care. <laughs> I lost my key. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the security is still a vital point. Now, on the topic of China's innovation, what are your personal thoughts on blockchain service network? Yeah. That also has been rolled out this year. Yeah. So root cause will be trust. It's not really blockchain or centralized or decentralized. It's about trust. Mm -hmm. So government and the bank, they really spend lots of money to build trust with people. So people trust them, not people trust the technology. And we can discuss what's the cost to build this trust. Through the blockchain, we may reduce the cost of trust. 
So that's our, also our philosophy. We rolling out the blockchain with the industry because we can see all the B2B, all the industry, we can buy the idea. The technology can really reduce the cost, increase the efficiency. That means this technology will definitely will happen because necessary. We are chasing the cost reduce, reduction, and we are chasing to increase efficiency. So based on this understanding, that's why I believe in blockchain. Because we do our experiment, we really can see that by well utilize the blockchain, you can really reduce the total cost and increase the efficiency. So then this technology can use. But if they cannot, nobody will use. Because, okay, the current trust is very good, very good. And if you lose your credit card, you lose your bank account, people, government will take care. This is a perfect point to come back to Biolabs. What has been your evolution in the past three years? Good. Original idea, we try to position ourselves kind of a redhead of the blockchain. Yeah, I failed because I was in Taiwan. I can say that. Why I have this kind of assumption to play the role like redhead? Like I say, I was user internet from 90s. I also an open source supporter. I really like the idea because when right now open source everywhere. Cloud everywhere, all the cloud actually you can see uh, construct by open source. And Red Hat become a bigger winner, especially when they acquired by IBM. So that's their win. Maybe not the industry win, but they win. So I see if we see the current cloud is made by centralized solution, why the cloud can only made by centralized solution? Actually, no people say cloud can only be centralized. Cloud actually can be decentralized or distributed. So we believe that. If we can really believe that, then that means everything happened in the cloud will happen again in the decentralized cloud. <laughs> That's what I learned from the history. But I did not really calculate. Unfortunately, I, I was in Taiwan. So that all the culture, including the business culture in Taiwan, like I said, we are the Huawei Island. <laughs> so people buy Huawei. People don't buy cloud. Even now, the government, real regulation to procurement, they will say, okay, you will see government still use cloud, but you don't see the detail is government buy the highway to cover the cloud cost, but not really subscribe the cloud. Mm -hmm. So it's very serious problem. If you cannot really doing this, then how come the other startups we are saying we can build a SaaS company? Nobody will buy your SaaS. <laughs> it's shit. <laughs> so, we try to pivot from last year. That's why we try to pivot to more close to the mobility and energy side. And the mobility plus the energy, the people will call it a smart city. But I try not to use smart city keywords because it's too big for a startup. We try to focus on the mobility. Like this year, we built a very good application in China. My customers, they are trying to build in their charging station business. Right now, they have maybe 10,000 charging stations in China. And in three years, they will have one million charging stations in China. And they are all utilizing our payment solution based on the distributed ledger. I will not say blockchain at this moment. We are utilizing the distributed ledgers. Why my customers, they try to use my technology, especially in China, because China have the Alipay, China have the WeChat Pay. So convenient. Why they need, still need to use blockchain? Some several good reasons. First, through the WeChat, through the Alipay, they cannot really have the users. They only have the customers. Their benchmark is ROI. 
but they cannot transform their benchmark to LTV, long-time user value. They want in the digital era, IoT operator, IoT vendors, they still want their business can be a real digital or real internet. But digital value or rubber by WeChat. <laughs> so they don't own the users. They just tell me how to change the situation. I tell them, okay, through our technology, through the payment, you can design incentive program to the users. Just very simple. You use you should pay WeChat pay to charging, okay? One RMB. If you use our payment to pay, zero nine, 10% off. Yeah, very efficiency. You will acquire the user. The next question comes out will be how to retain a user. Then actually, this is the answer and this is the new start because you try to retain the user. Before, you don't need to retain the user, you pay. Okay, you go. <laughs> but now, you need to think about the whole long-time value you can create and create for the user and maintain the user. So totally different business from our payment solution. You mentioned that this payment solution is based on distributed ledger rather than blockchain. Yes. Can you explain how Bilabs okay. understands this? Because Bilabs, we, when we found that, we have several standing points. First, we try to utilize public chain. And second, we focus on B2B. And third, IoT. So public chain, you can see most of the blockchain startups, they cannot really utilize the public chain. The only public chain startup is FinTech, DeFi, crypto games. But besides that, no B2B use case based on public chain. Quite they cannot, very simple. If we are talking about a blockchain, most of the blockchain, they will still have the gas fee. That means you cannot handle, for the corporate customer, they cannot really handle the uncertain transaction fee. And second, scalability. All blockchains still have scalability problem. And so when we try to roll in our, our service, the first blockchain we are utilizing is called IOTA from Germany. We love their idea. And the total topology of their blockchain is totally different. So we call this a distributed but it's not really a chain topology. So that's why if we need to say the word precisely, I will say distributed And currently when we roll in out the payment, we also not really use IOTA, but we use another similar topology chain called the Nano. The current payment solution will build a complete layer two on top of the Nano for my customer. So that means my customer can easy scale up because Nano is a public chain without transaction fee, only the service fee to us. For B2B customers, they can really see their possible future, possible cost when they scale up. But if we utilize the current uh, blockchain, they will become a disaster because like, okay, uh, last week we have a United States election. So everything goes up. How about we just take a vacation during these two weeks because we cannot deal the business. <laughs> <laughs> and okay, and uh, maybe turns out two weeks later, you will see, oh, we should op reopen because right now operation fee is very low. So mm -hmm. it cannot work. <laughs> By using our technology, they can get a consistent transaction fee, service fee, and uh, they can scale, but not invest in the infrastructure. In the ancient, in the before, if the customer, they are utilizing the cloud, when you scale up, your growth normally is a linear growth, but your cost of the cloud will be exponential growth. <laughs> but if you are utilize the right blockchain, then your cost is still also linear growth, very consistent. 
you will pay me more money because you earn more money. But you will not face the risk when you scale your business, then your cost just comes from you. Mm-hmm. There will be a risk. So that's why we try to say original idea is we try to roll in as a redhead of the blockchain because we know how to use this theory and this approach to try to defeat the cloud. Will you tell us about other services that Biolabs specializes in? When we start up, we try to focus only on the application of the blockchain instead of crypto. Maybe it's help build up a little bit because in the past two years, we can see the market have so many bubbles, no matter from the ICO or any financial games. Because we never have this problem. That also help build up we can really gain the trust from some stakeholders, no matter for customers or even governments. So one very interesting project is we are working with academic to define the standard of the digital certificate for Taiwan. That'll become interesting because government, they will not really put their trust in the party or people. They have questions like, okay, Elman is crypto lover, so everything he do, maybe because he can earn something from the crypto, but I'm not. I separate very clearly. In the business, we never touch the crypto. But personally, okay, it's my personal investment. Yeah, so we very clear, separate. So it's very interesting because how can you really identify yourself digitally? Who can really identify you are real, the Roman? So it's really hard because in the physical world, you have flesh. So you are made by flesh. But in digital, what's made you? Actually, if I will say, okay, what you did made you. What's the what you did? Oh, I, I really love this word because recently I wrote several articles about the uh, PayPal and the Bitcoin things. So I use this famous life from the Batman. What you did define you who you are, not, not really who you born. Uh, so something like this. Okay, how to define Elman? Okay, in digital records, Elman studied in National Chenggong University twice. I got my diploma from that school. I also have a program records in National Zhengzhi University and right now in Belarus. So through this records, if we can have some way to prove this guy really have this records, then they become the digital identity of Elman. That's why I say what you did made yourself digitally. Very interesting. This is not a really new idea because we already have the certificates. You can really have your college's certificates. You can have any certificates. How come right now we talk about that? Okay, because I will say, oh, because the resolution. In the past, we don't really have a technology way to really prove you will rake us in a very detailed resolution. What's the resolution? I will always say how to define I really ever exist in the Chenggong University. It's not about the diploma because I can fake it. <laughs> Especially this year, we in Taiwan, we have several politicians have this problem. But how to define I really exist? Very good. How many curves I really study? How many girls I have pursued? <laughs> so that defines me. <laughs> so it's the rakers. So like how many activists I was getting involved? That defines me. In the past, to have this kind of certificate, the cost is very high. But right now, we can 
easily utilize the blockchain that's attached with many different digital applications, no matter from the, your mobile phone app or some other help to help you to define your existence. So that's why this is very meaningful. To build your digital certificates for your university is the first step. For me, the ultimate imagination is we can really build a digital twin. And actually, it's so-called a self-sovereign ID by yourself. And keep the records onto the blockchain, but not onto centralized database. That means you define yourself, not government issue an ID card define you. They will bring a totally different world. But currently, we will see, especially like in Taiwan, we are arguing about you sh government should not really good. We cannot give so many power to a government. They can issue a digital ID card to you. I know this is really important. It's a problem. But if you really know the technology, you will see the future like someday, maybe not your kid, but your grandkid will born with a chip inside. Currently, you cannot, you don't like that, and you cannot accept that, but it will happen. <laughs> That's so-called a trend, no matter you like or not. For me, although I'm a science fiction fan, I still cannot really accept some chip will be in my body, but I can understand someday they will be. I can hope it's not me, but they will happen. How about we just try to think forward, move forward, say, okay, good, that change will happen. How can we manage that? And what if real people can self-identify themselves then how government can really build a re new relationship with this new kind of citizen? That will be my understanding and my positive thought about why I need to build this digital certificate. And I'm really excited to work with my university lab to define that. And um, actually, they were rolling out from 2021. So for me, it's good. Yeah, so blockchain can create flash for you oh. online. Yeah, it's a good word. Yeah, flash. The digital flash. <laughs> digital flash. Now, if we were to bring it to the actual flash world, how do you envision blockchain changing the way our cities function? All my thoughts based on my assumption, like my golden rule. If technology can really reduce the cost, increase the efficiency, then that definitely will happen. We can look back to the current system. We still got too many people there. We got too many stems there. Seems like maybe blockchain is a reasonable approach. Can really solve that. Then that means increase efficiency, reduce auditing cost. Then that means that definitely will happen. Because I'm too positive, so <laughs> I always see the a brighter side, but I can really tell you why I have a confidence that definitely will happen because based on my golden rule, if we only focus on blockchain, once the blockchain can really reduce the total cost, increase efficiency, then blockchain definitely will help the city. So only reduce the paper flow is a great idea. Mm -hmm. I, I totally agree with you. And optimists are like unicorns these days. You know, we need more of you. So please stay optimistic. <laughs> I hope. Um, on the... <laughs> On the other side of the optimism coin, what have been your biggest challenges as you've been taking this startup off the ground? Although, just like you said, I'm a really optimistic person. In the real world, we still got lots of the challenge. Just like I say, because my company is in Taiwan, 
So when I try to introduce this kind of new concept to the market, especially to the local market, the great world was there. People still only accept unpremised solution. Oh gosh, then I then I don't really have some clue. But I cannot really change the status of the Taiwan now. I can make the change little by little. So like I said, maybe my great world is there. People or the current system, current stakeholder, if you don't really have the imagination of the future, if you can really, we can really build the same baseline when we look at the future, then it's really hard. So that means you can really only to disrupt them instead of make them evolve. Uh, so I would say, luckily, I'm still really optimistic. Very optimistic, but it's going to take yeah the hard way to make them change. Yes, yes. I, I think unfortunately you are right. Thank you so much for joining us. I just have one last question before we started. You talked a while about you commuting to Taipei. Oh yeah, and your relationship to the northern city and then your home in the south. How can you explain to our audience how you move between Taiwan? Okay, and, and uh, why? Okay, one. Very simple version is when I ever need to business travel in Tokyo. When I see people in Tokyo, they spend maybe at least two hour commute time in Tokyo. So I say, okay, if Japanese can, I can. <laughs> <laughs> so because my hometown was in South Taiwan, so almost ten years ago, I try to make this change. So I move my family back to my hometown. I use a different eye. To see Taiwan or see the world, because right now I don't really live in the mega city anymore, and I see more challenges. Because right now, if you live in Taipei or you live in Tokyo, live in New York, seems to be easy. You just solve the problem in New York City or in Taipei City, but you cannot solve the real problem. All the city beside Taipei become older. Young people cannot really stay in where you live. So how about we just make Taiwan become a new Taipei? <laughs> Then we solve that. <laughs> But we cannot. And in my mind, I see the city also have a limited capacity to grow. In the past, I saw Discovery. They just launched a series of shows called the Mega City. So I love the idea. But it turns out I challenge myself: How big a Mega City we human can really manage? So again, we can see China, we can see Japan, we can see most of the mega cities. They are all in Asia. Is really good. Maybe the city already over capacity. Uh, what the city can stand for? How about we have a distributed idea of the city? We can make the all the young people they can buy their own house because you don't really need to live in a central city. You can live wherever you want if your skill set is really like subway or maybe the internet. Then I will ask why you really need to live in Taipei City. The cost is very high. Just last week, I told my team, if really builders can really success, okay, I will tell you the truth. I success, you are not. Because I'm the founder, I know if we builders we can really success. I may be the only one can really get somewhere else, but my employee cannot, because although they will still have their their share, maybe they cannot afford a house in Taipei. But if we move our team to Kaohsiung, oh, everybody happy. 
<laughs> we don't need success and everyone can buy a house. In my mind, my philosophy is people don't need to suffer for your living. But you can create your worth because your ambition. But you should not do this thing only for your living. It's not right. So it's in my heart, I believe that. And one of the reasons is right now I am 40-something, maybe close to 50. Then I move back to the hometown. But that means I also limited my children's opportunities. When I was growing up, our growth path is very simple. Pindong, Kaohsiung, and maybe Taipei. I study in Pindong. I born in Pindong, but I study high school in Kaohsiung and university in Tainan. So step by step. <laughs> well, if right now I live back to Pindong, how come my kids can just, just my choice? I see I need to make the change for them, but not because I created wills. I need to make the change for the environment, the city, so they can really have chance because the city is better. The environment is better. So they can have a chance if they have ambition or if they not, people have ambition can raise them <laughs> because they can really work for them. It's maybe my paradise in my mind. Yeah. I think that is a fantastic, optimistic note to end on. I think you're right. I mean, mega cities have become not just sources of inequality financially, but they're also just magnets of talent that yeah. are draining the rest of the world. So you're not just building a great company. I think you're setting a fantastic example for the rest of the world. I hope. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. This has been brought to you by the Taiwan Report. For more content like this, become our patron at report.tw. 